My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 20th of March. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. This week marks one year since girls in Afghanistan had their hopes of returning to school dashed by the Taliban. It was a day that ended in heartbreak, tears and anger for many. The Taliban-led government suddenly ordered most secondary schools for girls to close. Students packed up their bags and headed home. Girls are now essentially banned from receiving a high school education, as well as from universities and many workplaces. But an organisation, LEARN, that's led by Pashtana Durrani, is working to educate girls in secret. And we still hope that there is an Afghanistan that will accept and take pride in having educated daughters. We're going to share the incredibly insightful chat that I had with Pashtana in the deep dive, but first, Sam, the headlines. Victoria's Deputy Premier Jacinta Allen has signalled the state is considering banning the Nazi salute after a group of men repeatedly performed the gesture on the steps of Victoria's Parliament. The group had gathered in support of an anti-transgender activist. While Victoria became the first state or territory in Australia to ban the swastika last year, the legislation did not include the Nazi salute. The majority of Lord Howe Island has been temporarily shut off. That is due to the escalating risk of a highly infectious fungal disease impacting some Australian plants. Non-essential visitors are temporarily unable to visit most parts of the island off the New South Wales mid-north coast. The fungal disease was first detected on the island back in early February. And Russian President Vladimir Putin has visited the Russian-held Ukrainian city of Mariupol and annexed region of Crimea to mark the nine-year anniversary of its annexation from Ukraine. Earlier in the weekend, the International Criminal Court issued a warrant for his arrest over allegations of war crimes. And the good news, an Australian man has broken the world record for the longest ever surfing session. Blake Johnston achieved the feat by surfing at Cronulla in Sydney for a whopping 30-plus hours and only left the surf after reaching the 40-hour mark. Johnston was surfing to raise money for mental health. Today, I have the immense privilege of being joined on the pod by an incredible woman. Pashtana Durrani, founder of Learn Afghan, works to provide education to women and girls in Afghanistan, a mission they've continued even after the Taliban's takeover. She's joining us from the US, where she's a visiting fellow at Wellesley College. Pashtana, thank you so much for making time for us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I want to start this conversation with where your education started. So can you just tell me a bit about the first school that you went to? Ah, the first school I went to. Good question. So I grew up in a refugee camp, just yeah. so you know. So I actually went to a homeschool within my own house. Mm-hmm. For my parents, I think education was the most important thing. It was not like, oh, it's a choice. No, 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 no. It was not a choice. You don't get educated. You don't get fed in this house. <laughs> it was that simple. You don't, you're not responsible towards your own community. 
you're not getting inside this house. It was more like a sponsored relationship where you were fed <laughs> if you get educated, where you were sheltered only if you're like, you know, teaching your best friends or like, you know, friends in the house school. So for me, I think that was the subconscious teacher raising. I was told, you get educated, you can go out of here, you know. And mm. for me, that was good enough. So yeah, not that the refugee camp was bad. I loved it back then. But education, on a serious note, played a most important role. And so when did you realize that your education wasn't, I guess, typical for a girl in Afghanistan? I think I realized that when I went back to Afghanistan the first time, when I was uh, 17 and the first time I saw my own cousins, my own, like, you know, first cousins who had like, you know, these two to three copies that she had. And she used to rewrite, like, you know, every time and she used to erase them and rewrite. And I asked her and she's like, why, why do you do that? I never shared the story though. Um, she was like, oh, because like, you know, I only get three co- copies per few months and I just want to save more p- pages. So once I'm done learning, I redo it again. And for me, that was weird like lack of paper could be such a big thing and having paper and pencil could be a luxury and then later on of course I learned that she didn't have access to school and she was learning at home Um, and it was not like a teacher was at home she was learning at home by herself somebody was coming her nephews every Thursdays and Fridays and given her lessons and she was still able to read it so for me I think those are uh, sort of things that where it makes you realize okay my situation is not the same like everyone else's and everyone has more heart than me. And, and what did you do with that information? How did you respond to knowing that your situation and the education that you had received was different to that of, of your cousins? The reason I wanted to help Durdana, I didn't care about making an organization. I wanted to study and then run for the parliament and like, you know, become this politician and stuff. Or like, you know, my father wanted me to be a diplomat. He was not sure about my diplomatics because I'm not good at that. (laughs) So the part of realization was that very moment where I decided that, okay, she's my cousin. We're going to be best friends. And I have this same person my age but she doesn't have the same sort of opportunity that I do that sort of hurt me and I wanted to share that sort of opportunity with her I was like okay we're going to get her educated we're going to get her to a good school and that's it that was the plan I downloaded everything from YouTube I reached out to every platform on the world to make sure that we get content in our own native languages we get Durdana educated we got her educated we get her, we move the whole family to the city from this IDP district, and she enrolls in a school. And guess what? Durdana feels the same being left out, and the school is fast-paced. The lessons are fast-paced, and this is an auto-dictate kid, so she has learned at home all the time. She doesn't know how to do exams. She doesn't know how to socialize, first of all, and she doesn't know how to perform under this much pressure. And the school teacher is like, yeah, she's not good for the school. Uh, she's better off if you can educate her at home or something of that sort. And that's where, like, you know, it made me realize how broken our system is. Where I got to know that, okay, I love my country, but it's not perfect. And uh, the part I can play is, like, in making sure that some parts of it become perfect, like education. So, yeah. So you you realized something was imperfect and you wanted to fix that. How did you go about doing that in the early days? I think the first thing I did was like I started focusing on what part I can do. I didn't want to go and become a savior. I didn't want to do what was trendy. Oh, educate girls. Educate girls how? Mm. Where? 
what should be the like you know the problem that you're focusing on okay educational literacy is all over the world yours is conflict zone so it's a bigger the bigger gap so i looked around on simultaneously i'm working with dardana so dardana goes to school i realized that then that's where like it the realization moment is when i talk to other girls that i'm related to where they are also going through the same thing most of them move to the city most of them enroll in a school most of them are doing well for their capacity but all of them go back on their learning and they don't want to be enrolled anymore and then they're married off as a teenage girl because they were not like you know uh, uh, welcomed in those learning spaces because they were not good enough or they were not tutored enough so for me that was the moment of realization and that's where i think uh, i started focusing on more ruler avants and ruler learning models how can we make sure a we teach properly in our own regions and then once they're integrated into normal schools or public schools they're welcomed received and standardized to their levels so that was something that that's where i started but the mini steps were like taking a big loan from my dad never paid it back uh, <laughs> driving my parents crazy all of that that's like the main steps if anyone wants to start a nonprofit <laughs> and uh, last but not the least like you know believing in myself like a crazy person uh the 16 year old me would never believe the 17 year old me would never believe that that whole one year research of drawing down everything on a notepad can make a 30 person staff today wow yeah like an organization that yeah. is unbelievable and I, obviously things have changed in afghanistan and so what was what was it like for learn what was happening with your organization what did it look like before the return of the taliban and then how has that changed i was talking to someone yesterday about this like when we were doing all the speak stuff in 2019 and 2020 i thought we were doing nothing i was so furious i was so pissed i was like why are we just covering 7000 girls why are we not carrying 700000 girls like why are we doing that um before taliban we focused mainly on girls uh, 18 public schools and five rural schools so we would build make sure that we bridge uh, bridge that gap and provide resources provide tablets and computers ensuring everything was in place train the students how to learn these platforms and everything menstrual hygiene management you see it we did it <laughs> cover management cv letter writing how to reach out to university how to talk to someone conversational english uh, feminist literature anything and everything anything that i would have appreciated as a young person i made sure it was on the platform yeah And so I mean speaking of a feminist education and then seeing what is happening today in my mind seems like two very different things happening at once. So what does it look like now? Today um uh, um today's Afghanistan is different from that of the past. I'm not going to go on the limb and say oh no back in the day Afghanistan was like you know this amazing country everything was perfect. No. the country was bombed and the taliban abused women uh, a lot of districts were under the taliban control especially rural regions where i come from but on paper we had a constitution where a woman had the right to education where a girl had the right to education where a woman had right to work today we're treated like criminals in our own country young teenage girls are the illegal party in Afghanistan right now they're treated like criminals or warlords 
Now we have 230 kids and I'm very proud of them. It's grade 7 to 12, the one that's banned. Uh, it's age 13 to 18. We make sure we provide the same stuff that we did back in the day. Um, but right now it's more secret. And kudos to my team for doing that, for pulling that, you know. Um, it's hard. It's so hard. Uh, kudos to the people who have welcomed us in their basements, in their apartments, in their guest rooms in uh, houses so that we could host girls in those spaces. And kudos to the teacher who show up in person to teach. Uh, Kudos to the students' parents who make sure that they drop and pick their students and make sure that they protect them at every cost. Yeah. And how risky is it for these girls who are seeking, really just seeking the basics of an education? I wouldn't go for the risk part. Everybody knows if you are... uh, found as an army person in Afghanistan right now, you're suffocated with a plastic bag. The video just went viral for an Afghan army officer that was happening. Girls have been kidnapped in the past for saying something on Facebook. Girls' brothers have been kidnapped and taken because they said something like when they were being activists or something like that. So all of that is happening. Now let's rewind back to why take the risk? Of course, in my head, in your mind, in everyone's mind, Education is a right. The girls believe in education. Their parents believe in education. That's why they're there. But in our country right now, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to do it. Once you get this education, you're not allowed to work. So basically, this education is useless currency to you. It's useless currency. This knowledge is useless currency, but you're still showing up. I think that's the important point that we need to understand. The risk is very like you know to everyone known you can be um, go missing you will be arrested you will be tortured you can go and uh, you will probably end up dead if the scenario is different Um, but the hope is the main thing it's a beautiful answer and I guess my question to you is what gives you hope right now uh (laughs) a lot of things a lot of things make me hopeless I would Mm. say (laughs) in today's Afghanistan hope is a very big luxury, you know, that's not afforded to everyone. And yet every day, 230 girls show up to a space where they want to learn about flowering parts of a plant or like, you know, cells or pendulum experiment or like, you know, alkynes and alkalines. So for me, that's hope. Putting yourself in this space is hope. You believing in your education is hope. And it's not a cheesy way of like, oh, because they're so brave and everything. No, because they believe in themselves. That's amazing to me. We hope that our country will recover. We hope that the girls will be able to go to a job in a proper, peaceful Afghanistan. And we still hope that there is an Afghanistan that will accept and take pride in having educated daughters. Our audience in Australia is extremely far away and I think would struggle to understand the horrors that young girls and women are facing every single day. Um, But I want to know from you, what do you want our audience to know firstly? And secondly, how do you think that that young Australian women who are listening to this can help? I think the first thing maybe Australian population can do is question their uh, immigration laws. 
that are horrible towards Im immigrants, especially Afghans. I have seen it and it's not good. And it shouldn't be like people only people who can invest in Australia can end up in Australia. It should be welcoming everyone. And this doesn't apply to Afghanistan. This applies to Iran. That's, this applies to every other country that's abusing women rights, including in the U.S., where you can, like, there are so many women rights issues right now. So for me, the most important thing is you might not be able to do a lot of things, but the least you could do is make sure that you ask your representatives. Why are you not questioning the, questioning the Taliban right now? Why are you not sanctioning the Taliban? Why are you not sanctioning the countries who facilitated Taliban taking over and right now are hosting their families where their daughters can go to school safely? There are two countries who are doing that right now. Um, and the most important thing is, if you cannot stand with us, at least, like, you know, uh, stand around us. You don't have to fight for us, but you can share the same platform. You can make those platforms. You giving me this platform to talk to the Australian population is in itself an act of solidarity. So these are many things that people can do. Educate yourself. Uh, share in your networks about the efforts that Afghan women do without having to wait for a big project or a rescue mission to come in and save us. We're not waiting. And I'm not the only one who's like claiming to do all of that. There's Trisha who does this in Code to Inspire. There's Shabana Vasijasi who runs this amazing school, Sola. Um, there are all these amazing women who are doing all these amazing things. And it fills my heart with joy that all of us are doing something while the whole world is watch, waiting that somebody will come, some superpower will come and rescue them and then we'll chip in, you know. So for me, I think Australian women, if the least that they would can do is share it in their networks, support the efforts. If they like something, volunteer with that organization. And if nothing else, help them develop a comic book, help them develop a, a, a like, you know, linguistic curriculum or something that would help the people of Afghanistan and the young girls of Afghanistan. Hashana, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on The Daily Oz this morning. If you learned something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you every morning. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, have a great day.